Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hello and welcome to the 2022 season of Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast, and the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. I'm Ben, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Drew. Thanks, Ben. Each episode, we will sample craft beers, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com. On this week's episode, Ben and I are calling an audible as we react to Scott Frost's firing. Do a quick prediction on the Oklahoma game and drink a shitload of whiskey. I'm Drew. And I'm Ben. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. Drew, did you imagine this was how your day was going to go when you woke up this morning? Absolutely not. No. You didn't You didn't see this coming at all in, nope. in your crystal ball? Nope. I I was certain that we were going to do the whole rigmarole, um, going to make it to October 1st, and that was going to be it. I was just waiting for that day. I had been sitting on my phone holding the wake me up when September ends gif and just like <laughs> debating whether or not I should post this and trying to be optimistic, but also being a realist and just feeling all of those feelings, but I guess some booster got in Trev's ear and said, we got seven and a half million. We got a tax write off. Our fiscal year ends before October. So we need, we need the write off. Yeah. I think it was, um, and I don't know, I, I'm, I'm all over the place on my feelings on it. Um, I, I guess before we dive in, okay, let's just let our listeners know what happened for those who were maybe in outer space (laughs) for the first two days of the week or who got back from the Sahara (laughs) <laughs> or maybe they just didn't have cell reception. They couldn't find their phone charger and they refused to turn on the news. Scott Frost has been fired after a loss against Georgia Southern where the Huskers fell 45 to 42. He ends his tenure in his fifth season uh, going, I believe, 16 and 31. Correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. I think that's the number. Yeah. Uh, losing the first game in Memorial Stadium, in which the Huskers scored 35 points or more. The first time in 215 games. Yeah. I thought you were going to say years, which is no, kind of yeah, close. I mean, it's pretty, like yeah, 100 we're, years we're or something it. along those lines. Mm-hmm. It felt like an inevitability. It felt like after last night, this was going to happen. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to happen today. I thought it was going to be October 2nd after the Indiana game. My first question, I guess, and and... Forgive me if I throw something at you that you just don't know or have an answer to. At this point, but we're gonna we'll just spitball here. Why do you realistically think it happened now and not 19 days from now? I don't think I don't think that it would have been fair to Frost to trot him out there for another you know what three games. Yeah, Um, like a dead man walking. Yeah, it wouldn't have been fair to him or to the players. Um, There would have been way too much noise going on around it. The focus every single game would have been on him and his job. Do you think the Uh, question would have kind of hung in the air? Like if he wins X number of games between now and then, he might still. Yeah, like that could have still been batted around. Obviously like a win against Oklahoma next week. And then, um, you know, that that kind of makes you maybe retract any idea of firing him. Um, Yeah, it was just, I think it would have been just too messy at that point. And it was probably more of a headache than seven and a half million dollars was worth. Do you think that the $7.5 million was also worth maybe saving face and getting rid of some of the embarrassment that may have come about from last night's loss, the close game against North Dakota, the loss against Northwestern? Do you think that that factored into it that there's... Yeah, it's not Yeah, it's not all just about Frost or the players. It's about the image of Nebraska. Um, it's obviously not 
not very uh it's been tarnished we'll say i guess you know these past few years and so it's not what it used to be but does few mean 20 <laughs> yeah roughly um but part of trev albert's job is to um keep that brand going strong and so i think that's this is part of it so how how do you feel i know that's a big question that with is. a lot of different answers and a lot of different av- different avenues but i mean what what kind of first comes to mind or or how does this sit um my, I guess my first feeling really was sympathy for Frost. Um, you know, this was, it was his dream job and it obviously didn't work out. Um, there's no fixing his reputation, I guess, in terms of how he was as a coach here. Um, so I, I just feel for him in that sense. Um, I feel bad for a lot of the players and the coaches who went along for the ride, probably whatever, um, guilt they might feel, you know, uh, not being able to save his job or flip things around. Um, yeah, I think sadness is where I sit immediately. Like, that's the first reaction. I think five years ago, my wife and I were at a holiday party at a hotel, and I just remember the first notification that came through the phone. I think it was actually from you, and it was like, he's coming home. Yeah. And just that excitement and that joy, and then watching out the end of that UCF game, because I think the news broke before the game ended. Yeah. They wound up winning that game, and it was like a shootout. For I think it was against like USF. I mean, it was just a, a crazy moment where you're like, man, the stars are finally aligning for us in our generations. Like this is going to be our heyday, right? It's, yeah. We had our parents who got to enjoy the run of the nineties, their parents before them who got the run of the seventies and it was finally going to be our turn. And so it was just this real, just genuine excitement. And then the press conference a few days later where he, he made the statement that every Husker fan, like got a hard on over and every team in the big 10 apparently was like, well, there's the target on your back now, buddy. Yeah. Where he's saying, you know, they're going to have to change to us. They're going to have to adjust to us. So my first feeling is, is just sadness for a fan base that really felt like, Hey, we finally made the right decision. Yeah. We finally got the coach that was the banner hire. We finally got our guy and he was our guy, right? He had this legacy with Nebraska and he was going to come back and be a savior. And I mean, that's a lot of pressure to put on a guy. For sure. So that's where my sadness continues to extend. Just like you said, where you had sympathy for Frost, I have sadness there because he's going to feel as though he failed. And by all accounts, he did not achieve the goals that he wanted to achieve while he was here. I don't think this tarnishes his reputation as a player, though. And I like what you said, where you're like, we can't change what he did as a coach and we can't change what he did as a player. He brought us a national championship as our quarterback. So there is that sadness there where, hey, I feel like he's going to be welcomed back with open arms as a player who we get to celebrate and celebrate the success that he had on the field. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I think I'm, I don't know, I'm also, I'm also really confused um, with with the decision to bring him back in the first place. Yeah, if so, you're going to let him go yeah, within the first three games. I, yeah, I didn't, um, I didn't think that they would let him go before that buyout got cut in half. I didn't think there was really anything realistically that could happen that would force Trev Albert's hand. Um, it just feels like they like they just threw away that money and the year, sure. you know, in, by making this decision. Um, like why not just let him go last year? You know, I don't I don't mean to speculate, and I have no information that goes this this way. But when Mickey Joseph agreed to come to Nebraska, and Mark Whipple agreed to come to Nebraska after arguably some of their best, excuse me, some of their best seasons at their previous stops, you started to wonder: Is there almost future building? going on with this new staff where there is the potential and I had been quietly thinking and I don't know if I've expressed this on the show or not or just to you in person that you know Mickey was going to fill in that spot as the interim head coach should something happen and he got that title where it was the assistant head coach well then the news of today where he is now the interim head coach and Mark Whipple is still the offensive coordinator and you've got Eric Chenander as the defensive coordinator still it almost feels like a tryout, less like an interim. And I think that part of the reason for letting him go three games in is you give Mickey a realistic runway to maybe prove his worth while you're also doing a coaching search. Yeah. I I think you got to do both, right? You've got to give Mickey a chance to maybe earn it. He's also a former Nebraskan. He's also someone who players really rally behind and and could take that mantle. Mm -hmm. Um, But you also need to look out and see what options are also available. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't disagree with the decision to let him go today. Um, it's just, I don't, I don't, I don't think maybe Trev Alberts thought it was going to go this, this, this way. This, like I don't this th- Georgia South, that this yeah. Georgia fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, cause yeah, I like, I think the, the offense has improved 
the way that they yeah. expected it to. It's yeah. just that the defense has taken such a big step back. Um, I feel like I feel like just with the way that the schedule set up and with the changes they made, I think they realistically thought that they had a chance to make it to to that October date. Yeah, before they had to make any sort of decision. Sure. So, well, you look at this uh, schedule and you look at the way that everything had been going in the offseason, some really serious players coming in through the transfer portal who were mm-hmm. very highly praised. You're building off of a defense that had a ton of success last year, kept you in games, kept you kept things close, made stops when they needed to make stops. You know your offense is getting better. You've brought in a quarterback who you feel is a better option at quarterback, a coordinator who can help your coach figure out an identity for the team. So all those things factor into it, and you think, hey, realistically, we could be by October 1. What would that be, 4-1 and one after that game? Uh, so it wasn't unrealistic to expect a win against Northwestern, which was a close win, a win against North Dakota, which we walked away with, and a win against a Georgia Southern team who we had no idea who they were going to be. Right. But then, yeah, I think I think the worst-case scenario really did happen. Yeah. We lost to Northwestern. We struggled against an FCS team, and then we lost to Georgia Southern, right? Every game that we should have won handily, we were dominated in one way or another, including the North Dakota game. Yeah. Um, moving forward now, what do you, what do you foresee? Like, what do you, or what do you expect, I guess, from Nebraska? Well, before I answer that, I have kind of like a side answer to that question. So for Nebraska, I want to say what I expect for Nebraskans and for Nebraska fans. And that's, I expect Nebraska fans need to turn out like hell and support these young men, support Mickey Joseph, support the program. These aren't the situations where, like during the Mike Riley years where, yeah, we sold out the game, but half the people show up into the stands. These are the years and the situations where we need to now turn out and be like, look, we are supporting the program. We're supporting the young men who uprooted their lives and chose to come here and play for Nebraska and represent this state. Us being in the stands is how we represent the state. And so I fully expect, and I don't mean this like, I think it's going to happen. I mean, like, this is a a decree. I expect you to be in the stands if you were meant to be in the stands for these upcoming games at home. You need to continue supporting this team. I don't care if we're getting blown out or thrashed during a transition season. I expect fans to be louder now more than ever because this is the time where the team needs to know that we're there for them. We need more than ever these players to know that this team is there for them. And so in the immediate moment, that's what I need out of Nebraska fans. I know I'm still going to watch every damn game and live and die by every damn game. This doesn't change that. Right. What this does is it gives me a new direction and potentially hope when we're not feeling that hope that we have the administrators in place to make hard decisions when hard decisions need to be made. So moving forward with Nebraska to then answer your question as far as the program goes, I think you need to go out and realistically make a very strong hire. And I don't mean that you need to go out and find the next big thing in group of five. I think you need to go find a power five coach who's established and you need to pitch them on. The big 10 is one of the two conferences who's sturdy in football we got a lot of money. we got a lot of great facilities. We've got every resource you could possibly need. And even when our coach was 16 and 30 heading into Georgia Southern, we were still the focus of college football. So we need you to come here and, and bring back, not the relevancy, because the relevancies never went away, but the tradition of winning and doing it the right way in a way that Nebraskans can be proud about. Yeah. What about you? What, what do you think is the proper direction? Well, I, I agree with you that the... Um, the expectations of the fans to continue to support the program. I don't, that's that that hasn't gone away yet. I don't, it's not going to go away now. If anything, I think it's going to become stronger. I was going to say, I think I think this decision was there to say, look, we're not giving up on you, the fans. So you better not give up on us. Yeah, right. We don't accept the results that are happening, so we need to make the right decision. We talked a lot about this a few games ago. Decision making. Yeah. Right, and you have to be able to stand behind your decisions and stand behind that. The result doesn't matter if the decision is garbage. Right. And that's we talked about that with the onside kick, that if you're willing to give that back, well, then then it's not the right decision. This feels like one of those decisions where the result could be another coach that does this. But in this moment, in order to respect those fans and respect the investment, both in their time and in their money, this decision needs to be made right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's okay. Um, And as, as much as it hurts, mostly just because of what what it feels like we lost. 
Yeah. Um, besides just all those games, like it feels like we lost something that could have been really great. Um, just just enjoyable, you know, as a as a fan watching a former player um, bring Nebraska back would have been a fun story to be a part of and to witness. Um, so it sucks to have lost that. Um, but I think I'm more hopeful now. Like I think we hit rock bottom. I feel like that was rock bottom. Okay. Um, I'm more. <laughs> I hope. I hope <laughs> I it was. Hope so. I thought that. I thought that about last year, which is a lot of why I, I bought thought that in. about 2017. Yeah. I thought that about. There are so many games. Yeah, we 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 do find new ways to find new lows, but um, no, I I'm I guess I'm this is this has erased a lot of expectations as far as this team goes, and it's kind of opened it up to, um, to just the, yeah, just less expectations as yeah. far as winning goes or in performance, and um, for me, it's it I think it'll allow me to reinvest in games. Um, you know, watching Georgia Southern was not i wasn't emotionally invested for most of that game like i was just kind of like dead dead inside Mm -hmm. watching you know plays happen before my eyes um very rarely did i get up you know out of my seat either in happiness or frustration so hopefully uh, you didn't you didn't get up with a microscope or with a magnifying glass when uh logan smothers fumbled and goes (laughs) (laughs) my son goes what's what's wrong daddy what is going on you don't tell me anything about football he goes, why are you standing so much? I go, this is just how dads watch football. It's, yeah. just, it's okay. <laughs> it's just tense. <laughs> I watched I watched mine um, in, a, in a crowded room. I was surrounded by family. But I was seated just away from everybody with a beer in my hand the whole time. Um, not drinking much. Just quietly taking it in. That's one of those games where if beer is handy or whiskey is handy or something is handy and close by, you're just going to continue to consume it. And then you wind up in a way worse situation than... <laughs> than you should be i i stopped drinking after the first half that was when i had my last beer and that was probably for the best yeah because i would have just kept stress drinking oh yeah i i I purposefully and consciously pumped the brakes um but yeah so anyway so moving forward uh just it's it's new it's change um is reason to be excited about that uh like i said i think there's still a lot to enjoy about this team the offense there's certain players that you can really root for here um the defense has an opportunity now to redeem themselves, um, you know, for the remainder of the season. And I, you know, I, I still think that there is enough talent on that side of the ball that they can get it together, at least to put together a few good games for us. Absolutely. If we get into specifics talking about the defense, I really think that what once, uh, Henrich comes back, there's going to be some significant change on that defensive line. Right now, Luke Reimer is having to be both Luke Reimer and also the Nick Heinrich role of, of field general and getting guys in the right spot. And even during the Georgia Southern game, you're seeing guys out of position, not knowing where they're supposed to line up, not being that player. And it, and it doesn't allow Luke to play his game to his fullest. And then you've got guys who are missing their gap or missing their assignment. They're getting blocked in the second level by an offensive lineman when normally they'd be making that play. So I think when Heinrich comes back, Luke Reimer can go back to just being that instinctual player. And I think that helps out a lot. I also think that this season has really revealed how crucial Jojo Doman's role was last year. And that nickel side in in, in that nickel uh, position in terms of like sealing the edge and coming in from behind and making tackles, helping get tackles for loss, stopping the run, that type of thing. When you see last year, you watch running backs who are being patient trying to find their gap while JoJo would be coming in, flying in in that nickel slot. He'd be making that tackle while they're being patient. Well, now the nickel's not quite as fulfilled as it was last year. You've got a few guys trying to figure out that role. So running backs can be a little bit more patient, wait for that gap, and then they're just hitting that hole and going. The middle of the field's wide open as far as the run game goes. So you think like, hey, maybe if they can get that figured out, we've really got an offense that seems to click and meld and do well with one another and I think there is opportunity for success I don't think that we're going to lose every game from here on out when you look back to last year losing a ton of offensive coaches this team still responded and showed up and played some of their best football because they knew that they then had something to prove but they also had nothing to lose and I think that that's a beautiful combination right we've got something to prove but if we can't prove it no one's gonna give two boos about it but if we go out there and we earn it people are gonna you know, respect us for it and that sort of thing. So I think there is a lot still left in this season. Do I think a bowl game's on the board? I don't know. I think that's a really interesting debate at this point. But I do think that Nebraska could be playing some of their best football in their last few games. And when you've got teams like Wisconsin and Iowa who can't score more than 14 points, 
if this defense gets their stuff figured out, maybe this offense could finally win a few uh, against some of those bigger teams who are just seeming to struggle on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to feel good having a high-powered offense because um, you can get into shootouts. You know, you can put points on the board in a hurry. And so if your defense is slipping up, um, you know, you feel like you're always in the game. You always have a chance. Do you feel like we have one up over Iowa for letting our coach go, but they still have Brian Ferentz on their sideline? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, I knew when on Saturday when Iowa lost and Texas lost and A&M and Notre Dame. It felt like one of those days. All, yeah, Wisconsin lost. It was, you know, all these, all these big upsets, but also all these teams that I just fucking love i love it when they lose i love it when they lose and then they all lost on the same day it felt too good like we were flying a little too close to the sun yeah i even texted you would you, you trade yeah. all these <laughs> and i said yes in it in a heartbeat i would absolutely trade all of those um for a nebraska win for a nebraska say, like, win all those teams win and nebraska wins yes yeah um there's yeah there's no outweighing a nebraska win but um yeah, it just felt like it was too it was too good of a football Saturday for Nebraska to to come out and just pull off the the victory there. So, what other thoughts do you have as far as maybe the the Scott Frost firing goes? Is there anything else that's surrounding specifically that front or or Scott in general? Anything no. you want to say in case he decides to <laughs> flip through the fan podcast? Yeah. yeah, now that he's got all that spare time on his hands. <laughs> Not to laugh at that. No, that's no. terrible. He should have been listening to us earlier. We could have prescribed for him how to beat um, all these teams. Yeah, you know, our deep sure, dives our, and all yeah. of our film study. <laughs> yeah. We're so experienced with it, with our combined <laughs> three years of flag football. <laughs> I, oh, I guess, man. you know, I know he's not going to hear this, and that has no bearings on what I'm going to say anyways, but I am grateful for him coming back. He could have gone anywhere. He could have been the head coach anywhere after that season at UCF, and he came back to his alma mater to try and prove something, and I do commend that, that he came back wanting to do his best for this team. And I have no doubt that today might be one of the hardest days of his life. Oh, a hundred percent. And so I just, I wish him, I wish his family the best. Like I said, should, should the 97 team be um, highlighted and, and celebrated? I think he needs to be a part of those celebrations because what he did as a player doesn't change. Yeah. I don't, I wouldn't want him to feel like uncomfortable coming back or worried about um, the way that he would be received. Um, and like I said, like my first, first feelings were just, I just feel bad for him. Um, you want you want him to be successful, um, and uh, didn't didn't see it going down this way. He and just it, like the press conferences got more and more just grueling to sit through and watch. And you they could, really you did. Could always, but you could always hear like how much he cared, you know, and he was never afraid to express that. Um, and so I don't know. You I mean you? I hopefully hopefully he finds the right place to kind of go back and um, regroup as far as like, a, you know, his career goes. Um, there's per- an ex- personally. there's an extent where his, his story is almost marrying, marrying, not marrying uh, Adrian's right. Where he's having the opportunity now where he didn't find the success he wanted to at Nebraska to walk away. Adrian's starting to look like a better player at Kansas state. He learned his lessons at Nebraska and now he's able to evolve. And I'm enjoying the fact that Adrian's having success. I think that's great. I wanted that for the kid here. I'm happy to see that for him elsewhere because he really did give everything he could. So if that means that Frost has to walk away from Nebraska, go somewhere else, learn lessons, better himself, and then he can be successful elsewhere, I want that for him too because at the end of the day, he's a Nebraskan. He's from here. He's from Wood River, right? He's one of us. He's one of our guys. So we want nothing but success for him. And if that means that it has to come at the hand of somewhere else other than us, I still take that as a win. Yeah. As a Nebraskan, not as a Nebraska fan, but as a Nebraskan, for sure. And I and I think his, I think he he has a spot somewhere as you know, as like an offensive coordinator again. And um, I I don't I don't think he he didn't want to be in this position this year where he handed off that the control and the play calling and um you know he had to set his own idea of you know what his offense should be. He had to set that aside for somebody else. Um, he, he was willing to do it and try it for the, for this, uh, opportunity for Nebraska to be successful, but it came at the expense of what I think what he really wanted, you know, deep down inside. And so hopefully he finds a spot where he's able to showcase his talent. Cause I think he is, I think he does have that, you know, that offensive mind that, um, should be on display and can be on display somewhere. I want to throw something at you mm-hmm. and get your reaction to it. You're a bears fan. 
and maybe you can see where this question's going. Yeah. You've got a quarterback who is someone who can be mobile right. and throw the ball, kind of lines up with the ideal quarterback that Scott Frost may want in an offense. How would you feel if Scott Frost became the offensive coordinator at the Bears? I can't imagine him making a leap to the NFL. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. Not could, not to an offensive coordinator spot, maybe to a positional spot for sure, because he's coached in the NFL before. Um, but... I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I don't let's, know. Let's my, say let me, let my me Bears are so they're so they're so dysfunctional. Like, yeah, they have a mobile quarterback, but they don't have an offensive line. And well, he's coached that before. <laughs> no, he's got experience there. Um, and so i I would prefer it if he if he I would prefer it if he just found success just somewhere. I don't not, know not how in your stratosphere. <laughs> yeah, he could just go go prove it somewhere else, and then and then he can come back. And we'll see well, I goes. was going to take this job, but Drew Horson said, <laughs> "No, sir." I. It just that would be that would be unfair to him as well as the Bears. I that would just I don't think that would be a good match. Okay, I don't. I I literally watch no NFL football, and that's because I support the Lions. So I don't have <laughs> I don't have any grasp. I couldn't name three players in the NFL right now. That's not true. I probably could because there's at least three Huskers in the NFL. Um, but it would it would take a dartboard and it would take some some eyes closed and some serious work. <laughs> well, here's here's a tough question then. Maybe it's not so tough. Moving forward into specifics, who are some names that you maybe have your eye on or some people that you feel would be a good fit at Nebraska or that you think could bring the excitement or bring back potentially that tradition that that we so desperately crave? Right. I honestly have no no names. I have nobody. Well, that's and a I don't. Shit. I know it's shitty. <laughs> I don't because I don't. Um, I don't know. I just don't. I don't follow coaching careers enough, or um, and I've also I think partially just checked out on on the idea that Nebraska will get the home run higher, or um, you know that that all the speculation and the rumors surrounding this stuff will ever come to fruition because it seems like every year there's just so many fucking names out there. And, and it's never, we never get any of them right. Sure. Um, you know, and so, and then, and then when we do get the, you know, the quote unquote home run hire, it's, it ends up like this. So, um, I will, I'm, I'm willing to just wait and see what happens, um, rather than sit and, you know, dig through names. But okay. I know that you do have Well, names. let me, let me ask another question before you throw this back on me, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> What would be the benchmark for you for Mickey staying as head coach into the 2023 season? He would have he would have to turn things around. I think he'd have to have a winning record as a as a head, as a coach. head coach, not here. as Nebraska in 2022, but in the in the last nine games, you'd want him to win. He would have to have five. A, I, yeah, yeah. I think getting us to a bowl game would be worth because because I don't think he has head coaching experience. He does not or no. coordinator experience. Um, but I also don't think that that necessarily matters if you are com- comfortable and confident hiring the right coordinators and if you understand the flow of the game and understand what it means to lead in that CEO role. Like, look at Nick Saban. He's not someone who's out there calling plays. He's someone who's out there just patiently waiting on the sidelines for the opportunity where he needs to coach up a player in that moment or land, hey, let's go for it on this or something along those lines. He's not an active guy you know, with a call sheet in front of him. He's right. a guy sitting there just watching the game and trying to manage because he knows he's brought in those good hires. Not not to compare Mickey Joseph to Nick Saban and saying, hey, he's the next one. Don't get wait me a, twisted. Wait a couple, Don't, wait a no, couple years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you guys are all doing out there. Listen, you're going, oh, he's saying he's going to be. No. But but I do think that it's possible for a guy, if they have the right skill set, to make the leap from a position coach to a head coaching role because I don't necessarily think that a head coaching role is like being a coordinator in any other situation. I think it has to be that CEO kind of person. And if you're meant to be a leader, I think you can be that kind of a leader. If you're willing to, you know, defect and let other people who are better than you at their jobs do their jobs. Yeah. I think, well, this, so this is another reason why I don't like to speculate on um, coaches is because we're literally a podcast with zero connections. (laughs) All we can do is speculate. I know. But I don't know what Nebraska needs from their next head coach to be successful. Okay. Because normally normally you can be like, you could say like, okay, the defense is bad this year, so let's bring in a defensive guy. Or, you know, we've got, we've got you know, talent at, you know, these positions, and if we can find the right guy to, you know, really capitalize on that. Or, 
Um, this guy runs a scheme that fits in with this, you know, this division. So if we can get him to be successful here, we know that we can compete for a division title every year. Like I don't, but I don't know what the fuck Nebraska needs because it's, it's such a, it's so, it's so hard to reason with how they've lost so many games. Sure. And what's actually caused it that, yeah, I, I don't know what the prescription is. I think you could argue that you need someone who is disciplined first and foremost. I think that might be the biggest point of emphasis. No more ice cream sundays and Jay-Z tickets or whatever for winning your spring game. Wow, you are so, <laughs> you are so pop culturally irrelevant. They were Kendrick Lamar tickets. Okay, I don't know. Not Jay-Z. <laughs> Jay-Z hasn't come through Lincoln. Uh-huh. I like Kendrick Lamar, though. All yeah, right. no, yeah. he's great. This this is probably going to turn into a Kendrick Lamar (laughs) podcast at this point. Why not? I think discipline's number one. I think explosivity on offense is two, and I think that that's really important in the Big Ten when you're seeing teams struggle with offense. But I also think that you need to have a foundation in doing the small things right, and I think that translates across to your offense, your defense, and your special teams. When you do the little things, the bigger things when they happen mean more because you're taking care of all the loose ends. And so I just want to see a disciplined coach With a history of winning, I think that's really important, right? Not just the next big thing or someone with Nebraska ties. I don't need Nebraska ties in in my next coaching hire. What I need is someone who's disciplined, who's got a team or is coaching a team or coached a team with a history of low penalties, low turnovers, low mistakes on special teams, doing all those little things right. And that's what I'm looking for. I agree with you on Mickey Joseph. I, I think that four wins, five wins, I could even take four wins in, in nine games. You could sell me on that, depending on who the wins are. Yeah, I was, it depends on who he beats and, and I mean, what it looks like. He turns out and he beats Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa. I'm thinking, hey, you know, maybe he's got his shit together and he might be the guy to lead us through and, and win these big games and then we'll start to clean up and win all the games we should win and we know we're capable of winning the games that look like mountains in front of us but I also again I don't want Trev to just sit by and go you know we got Mickey and we we believe in in him being able to do the right thing when there's a plethora of coaches out there and the college football landscape is so unsteady that we could easily go through and say to someone hey you're, you're coaching in the Pac-12 you're coaching in the Big 12 you're coaching in the ACC and we don't know what your future is going to look like but in the Big 10 we know we've got a solid foundation we know we've got the resources we've got the money and hey we'll double your salary yeah, because we've got the billions of dollars coming through this conference to to get that done, and we've got boosters who are willing to spend seven point five million dollars uh, because they don't want to wait nineteen days. You know, I think that's that's <laughs> not necessarily unique. That's <laughs> just that's still crazy to me. It still blows my mind. I get well, why they did it, but it, it well, continues. And, to, and I'm not saying that's what happened, but the fact that Trev felt comfortable enough. To say, you know what? It's just seven and a half million dollars. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and sign that check now. It, kind of not relevant, but also re- uh, relevant to this conversation. Did you see the quote going around or the interview with uh, Ed Orgeron about his firing? No. Okay, so he sat down with his AD while LSU was struggling in his final season. And the AD said, you know, we got a big problem going on here. We're, we're not looking great. And Ed's like, oh, I know we got a big problem. You know, with that beautiful Cajun <laughs> so accent good. that he has. Yeah. And the coach goes, we're going to move on into a different direction. He goes, oh, I understand. I know what we're having to, you know, blah, blah, And the AD goes, but there's $17 million left on your contract. We're going to pay it all to you. He goes, $17 million? You tell me when to leave and what door to walk through. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I still got a friend in that AD. <laughs> so just the beauty in that, that. That's good. You know. If 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 the worst thing that comes of it is you got to land on your feet with fifteen million dollars and and go and work your way back, I, I believe Scott's the kind of guy who can work his way back and and who's going to take the time to let it hit him, but also learn from it, grow from it, and and keep fighting back. Yeah, he will. He'll continue to go on. It just it just sucks to think about. I think about it from like a personal perspective. If the if if you were like just starting out in your career, um. And, and your dream job, like you just totally bombed it to a point where there's no chance. There's no chance of coming back, right? Like he could go on and win national titles somewhere, um, which would be great for him in terms of his success, right? Yeah. Uh, but he couldn't come back and do that here at Nebraska. Like he couldn't rewrite that I story. Mean, Greg Schiano's come back to Rutgers. <laughs> Rutgers, yes, yeah. <laughs> 
it's just it's gone like that's just a dream that is it's gone here's a fun hypothetical that won't make anyone (laughs) mad let's say scott frost goes on to some other school rutgers and he wins a national championship that would be fucking wild would you take him back as your head coach no really no because you saw what happened. Because you think Rutgers went down to one double A or what? <laughs> yeah. He no. First of all, I don't. I can't imagine that happening. I think he. Well, it's a hypothetical, a, man. I'm not. I'm not saying it's going <laughs> to happen. No, that will. There's no way. Like I said, I don't think you can bring him back. I think it's so. It is so far gone that that's it. Yeah. He will have. He will have to reconfigure um, everything and and find meaning in something else. Sure. Where do you think, and just feel free to go right off the heart here, right off the top of your head. You don't have to think too hard on it. Where do you think he made the the biggest misstep as a head coach? Where do you think? His hubris, Okay, I think, was way off base. And his... You didn't have to think very hard on no, that. No, I didn't. That's all. I've always known that. Yeah. Um, it was fun until it wasn't. Like yeah. It was like, oh, yeah, like this is our dude. And then it was like, wait a minute, like maybe he has a lot of misplaced confidence. He needs to step back and rethink some things. And I don't feel like he ever was willing to do that. Until his hand was forced and going even, in from four to five and yeah, season four to five. And even when his hand was forced, it was still, it still felt like, you know, he had that thought in the back of his mind. Like if they would just let me do it my way, sure. I can still show them. I, and so there just seems to be this stubbornness about him where he just never was willing to let go of the idea that his way was not working. Sure. And, and it needed to be not just different, but completely different. I got to imagine that's hard too. When you've just come off of a perfect season at a school that you've been at for two years, you've probably got to feel like, Hey, no, we had this thing figured out. Yeah. We even beat an SEC team. You saw it work in real live action. Yes. And you're just thinking, man, if I just shuffle this little piece around, or if I just focus here, if I just do this, it's, it's got, it has to fall into place. The story's too good for it not to. The universe doesn't work like (laughs) this, right? Like it just has to work. And with how close those games, like how close all those games, I mean, it is truly insane. Like it's, it's, it will forever be incredible, and it'll be this big sports trivia thing that you know that'll exist forever about how how many close games they lost, yeah, um, and how they lost them. And it's 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 just it's mind-boggling, and so I think that was also part of his reluctance to change. Yeah, aside from I think that being just built into his character was that he could always point to. What was happening his in fucking, reality is how fucking crazy this shit is. His mad lib of a season. Yeah. <laughs> where it's just like, give me a verb. Uh, fumbles after being stopped, but it, progress was stopped. Okay, give me another one. Uh, you know, run back a punt for a touchdown. Okay, give me another one. Um, up by 21, punts blocked, and then three touchdowns by Iowa. Well, how the fuck? <laughs> it, yeah, it really had to have felt like the universe was conspiring against him. Because you know you felt that as a Husker fan. Yeah. Just from the outside looking in, you don't have any control over this thing, and you're still thinking, like, man, I must be cursed. And, uh, you know, but to be the the guy running the operation and to be there at the center of it through it all, um, to, yeah, like, it would be it would be hard, I think, sometimes to accept accountability. Yeah. Because it was so outlandish at times. I know that I wouldn't be able to. I know that I would look at it and go, but I, but look at the success I've had. Like, yeah. look at what I've done already. And yes, we are so close. So I, I can't say that I would do anything different. The only thing that I, that I was kind of thinking back in the, in the time we had from when we found out to recording this is, is I guess maybe I would have made the changes he made between year four and five, between year two and three. You know, the first year, hey, you just got some growing pains. You're coming into a new system. You're coming into a new conference. You're trying to figure out how everything works. So you have a rough go of it. Nobody said boo to anything. The team looked great. They came out against Colorado and they looked awesome. They had the Akron rain out. So we were like, man, things are weird, right? (laughs) And then year two, you're like, okay, things aren't quite clicking the way we want them to click. We're not running the way that we thought we would run coming off of the end of that first season and so I would have probably made a few adjustments there to maybe revamp some of the staff and bring in some guys who are smarter than me and who do know more than me. 
not just guys who are good men who are good at their jobs, but like guys who I have to ask questions to. And you just didn't see those changes being made. And and I think that it's a lesson learned. You know, I, I think that the offense really is taking a beautiful shape this year. I really do think that they're making strides forward. I think the offensive line is still a weak opportunity there. But I think that it can improve over the year when guys like Prohaska are starting to trust their body again after injury. You get guys who are a little bit more focused on technique and get to keep working. But the pockets are getting clean. There's enough space for the running backs to run through and run really damn well. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think that there's some optimism through the rest of the season that we can still cheer and support. And I don't think that we're going to go 0-9 over the next nine games. I don't think that we're going to maybe topple any Goliaths. But if we do, man, it's going to feel pretty damn good. It will feel good. Yeah. It will. And I think it helps that that the defense is the big question mark. Yeah. Um, just because, like, on that side of the ball, you've got – you at least have coaching consistency – this might be another reason that Frost was so reluctant to change is that he was early on, you know, Chenander was um, not everybody's favorite coach. That's putting and, it lightly, <laughs> yeah, you know, in, the, you know, in those first few seasons. We're calling for that guy to get fired, and it, but he continued to steadily improve. Um, and so, I, you know, I imagine that was another, another thing that Frost was probably looking at and thinking about was like, no, these are my guys, and they are, they are building this thing. Um, and I don't have to listen to the outside noise. I know I know what I'm seeing, and, and I've got evidence that shows that we're getting better there. And so, I don't know, the fact that they fell off a cliff these past few games, um, I guess you could probably say you saw it coming, maybe, you know, with, with all the new the new faces and, you know, the, who we lost. Maybe some, you know, there's people out there who will. Yeah, there's, there's going to be people who say, like, we saw this coming a mile away. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I thought it would be, I thought it would be, Topsy turvy. I didn't think it would be a disaster, um, and so I and so I still because I because I can't completely get rid of I guess that notion in my head. I still and because we have seen this staff um, build build teams up and improve year over year, I think they can at least come back closer to average. Again, it's a young. It's just a young defense. So yeah. if the offense can keep them in games, the defense can grow. Um, and and they're they're playing with house money now. They're not worried about getting somebody fired. I guess. If that was ever a concern, um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So I guess in summary, we're we're kind of on the same page, right? Where there's this sadness that's that's surrounding this firing, but I think there's also uh, some relief where it's it's happened now. We can all rip off the band aid and, and start to move forward as a fan base. But I think we also both agree that we got to be out there and we've got to continue to support the players. And, yeah. And support the kids who are out there, the coaches that are still here who even after Scott Frost is, has left, they're staying behind to continue to coach and support this team and, and give it their all to maybe earn Mickey Joseph a spot at the head or to, to keep the players around and supporting Nebraska and, and really kind of moving that front forward. So I think that support is, is really important. And I really appreciate the difficult decision that Trev made to say we do hear what the fans are saying. They could, he could have made the same decision last year, and I don't think anyone would have batted an eye. But I do think the fact that they move forward, they tried to make a smart decision uh, financially last year going into this year. It didn't work out. I, I, I do commend that, that, okay, hey, we made a mistake on the decision side last year bringing the staff back because it didn't translate to on-the-field productivity. So we're going to own that decision, but we're also going to make amends for that decision and move forward. It's going to hit the program. It's going to cost us money. But that money is nothing compared to the investment the fans put in year over year time after time, game after game. Um, I hope you have a great time at the Oklahoma game. I really do. And I think that there's going to be kind of this refreshing sense at the game. Yeah, I, I don't know what that's going to feel like. Um, I haven't been to a game in a while, and uh, I, would, you know, I was really looking forward to it. You know, prior to the season, I found out, you know, just a couple weeks before the season started that I'd be going. Um, I'm still obviously I'm still looking forward to it. It's, yeah, I love I love going to Nebraska games. I love being inside of Memorial Stadium. I love everything that goes on around it, as far as the you know the tailgating, being downtown, being in um, the rail yard, all that stuff is just a f- it's just so it's so much fun. Um, it I just I don't know. I'm I'm really interested in in kind of just what it'll feel like. Yeah, like what that vibe will be around the fan base. Um, I think it's going to be better than when Mike Riley was retained all through 2017 instead of let go 
because I was at the Ohio State game during Mike Riley's last season, and it was painful. Mm-hmm. There were claps when Tanner Lee would get a first down, let yeah. alone a touch, and, and it was sarcastic, and it was hateful, and it was vengeful, and it wasn't. I had friends from out of town. It wasn't the Nebraska experience that I wanted to share because there was no hope. Yeah. And I think you're going to get to walk into an environment where there's, hey, we may not win this game, but there's hope for the future. We've got to believe in these guys that are in charge and are making the difficult decisions. So I think there is going to be this revitalization where it's like, hey, it might happen again where we lose a close one. We might get blown out. We might win. We just don't know anymore. So there's at least this kind of opportunity where we can be surprised and not feel like we're in the same difficult situation that we've been in time after time with Frost at the helm. Yeah, I think, well, yeah, and and, and again, I, and I say this uh, with, I guess, some, I don't know, sensitivity to, to Frost, but, like, I think having him removed is just going to be cathartic for the fan base, too, in terms of, like, he he was divisive, Um not be maybe not because of just him, but because of just yeah. And like uh, I would say, the last two and a half seasons, yeah, was divisive. Oh, yeah. at least half the fan base probably wanted him gone. Um, so not having him there, not having that distraction over the game, will be, I think, a big positive in terms of the energy going into it. And I think that it's also going to be an opportunity um, for the fans to show that it was they were it was never about. Frost being successful it was it's always been about Nebraska being successful it's yeah. always been about the players being successful um I I would agree that at times we let Scott Frost get bigger than the university as a fan base and, and it, that we we elevated him beyond like it was a it was Scott Frost's team it wasn't Nebraska's team yeah and it, and it be, it's because again I think we all wanted to be a part of that story yeah. we all wanted to witness that and so it's it's nice to not have that yeah, I think cathartic is a good way to put it. Yeah. Well put. Thanks, Aristotle. <laughs> Anything else that you want to want to throw out about what's gone on in in the past I don't know, couple hours and <laughs> and uh any feelings or anything along those lines? No, I think it's weird that I found out my wife texted me. I was from in the is, shower. <laughs> yeah. So, um I was watching was watching the Bears and the Niners. Um, in and enjoying it, you know, yeah. Because it's like cool. Here's here's a, a fresh start with a, another fucking football team that's going nowhere. Uh, <laughs> and no, but my wife texted me, and she goes, she goes, hey, I just found out Frost is getting fired? Question mark. And I was like, what? And so I go and I like, like my first instinct then is to go on Twitter because that's where like all the you know the quick information is going. And there's like maybe one tweet out so it's like it this is like f- f- fresh fresh like hot out of the oven fresh yeah um she's at a baby shower i was gonna say what did trev call her <laughs> no, first like, this is, i am so i was so blown away that she found out she's like yeah everybody at this baby shower just started talking about it so first of all sorry to that gal in her baby shower for being ruined by the frost fire, oh right? man that's where all the attention well this is, is more now. important than the queen is it <laughs> <laughs> oh oh did you see the faux Pelini tweet about? Yes, yes, I did. I guess we should we should say at least the queen wasn't alive to yeah. see this. Yeah. Oh god! After last night's game, so delightful. I always that's um I, that's another thing I I talked to uh, Melanie about last night was I one experience that I do um enjoy somewhat ruefully is to get on Twitter after a bad Husker loss. Yeah, because <laughs> the comedy out there is just too it's too good and it's it's nice to be able to laugh at your. Yeah, you know, downfall. Twitter can be a really great place, but it can also be a really dark place. Oh, it can get ugly in a hurry. You got to be careful. I've got some really great folks that I follow who I really enjoy what they say. And then I've got some people who I have to mute, but then I yeah. go to their account after an, a game because I can't see them on my timeline all the time. But occasionally, like they they say the things you're supposed to keep quiet out loud and you can yeah. go, OK, I feel better that I as a person don't say that. out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, I remove I remove the spiteful. Yeah. And the people who are who are very clearly like not constructive, um, I do enjoy self-deprecation when you can yes. recognize it as this is somebody who like me is hurting, and they and this is their way of coping. Yeah, it's a defense mechanism. Um, it's not coming from a place of just I don't know vindictiveness. It's, sure, it's coming from a place of needing to heal through humor. And yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, I like that stuff. But anyway, yeah, it was just it was just odd to find out the news. Uh, 
via a baby shower. Sure. So I want to go back to what you said about the, the self, you know, deprecating humor and stuff like that. And one of the things, I don't know if we talked about it when Northwestern beat Nebraska, but there was a flight attendant who said, be, you know, be kind to your Nebraska brethren who are on this flight because they just had a rough loss. So if you're a Northwestern fan, kind of keep it to yourself. And I couldn't have been more offended by the thought that as a fan, I can't take a loss. <laughs> right? How how soft is the world that like when your team loses in an arena where we're constantly verbally jabbing at one another, like my team's better, no, my team's better. Mm-hmm. Like that's part of the fun, right? Yeah. It's like both before the game we chirp and then one team gets to move forward and be like, we were right. Yeah. Everyone throws out the same prediction. My team's going to beat your team. Yeah. And so that's just part of the game. That's part of the gamble, right? I'm not gambling with money. I'm gambling with whether or not I was right. With your feelings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No harm done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I do want to say that, that I can take it when we lose from that stuff because I find that almost um, schadenfreude enjoyable where it's like, yes, I did deserve that, right? Because part of the fun is being witty and sarcastic and sharp against the opponent only to then be repaid like that's yeah that's the agreement i make it's like it's like when you see the when you see somebody say um you know nebraska is going to get picked up by the big sky conference and the big sky conference goes no we're good (laughs) you know (laughs) it's It's funny it's fucking hilarious and it makes me feel better yeah because we're still relevant it's yeah because people are still putting eyes on this on this State and, you know, yeah. we hear the joke all the time of, well, there's nothing else to do in Nebraska, which isn't true. We have volleyball. We've got, <laughs> we, we've got bowling. we got rifle. we got men's gymnastics. Yeah. we got track. we got it all. We're, yeah. we're good. Rifle's not even a sport, but we have it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's that, that, are, I, that argument I actually do take fucking uh, well, qualms with because... It doesn't bother me because it's like it's not a real argument. It's not a real argument, but it's also like so obvious on the surface. It's just a state that it legit supports its student-athletes yeah. like, and its university um, to no end because yeah. it's not just Nebraska, but like Creighton Athletics are very well supported. Sure. Um, and it's not just football. And UNO. It's all, yeah. yeah, like it's all of them. So yeah, that that argument, it, gets, it just gets kind of sad and tired and that's not funny like that's just right. fucking old it's like the n is for knowledge like it's just yeah. not funny like anymore. if you're gonna come at me do your homework yeah right like dig deeper cut a little harder <laughs> right. Yeah. right oh there's nothing else to do in nebraska i can name like three state parks and i can name two pup-pup <laughs> places like there's so much to do in nebraska i can name i think all 60 breweries that are in the state hell yeah there's plenty to do in nebraska. we got a we have a zoo we got a zoo we got a zoo yeah we bought a zoo we got gardens. great we got movie slides <laughs> so many slides yeah so many parks. We got a mall that you can't even shop at. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's plenty to do here. So much to do. We could keep going, but we're not going to. <laughs> well, Drew, you're out of whiskey. I'm out of Sadly, whiskey. Yeah. We got an Oklahoma game. We're not going to necessarily break it down, but I think that we owe it to our fans because we both wrote some predictions for this Oklahoma game. Mine's super outdated. That are way too boisterous. <laughs> yeah. That are way too full of ourselves. But I think we owe it to everyone to read those off right after we get a refill. Perfect. Let's do it. All right. Our whiskey glasses are refilled, and we are ready to jump into this Oklahoma matchup. Normally, Drew and I do a full scouting report, talk about the offense, the defense, the special teams for the opponent. But this time, we're just going to do the facts and then get into some overly confident predictions because why the hell not? So on September 17th, the Nebraska Cornhuskers will take on their longtime Big 8, Big 12 rival, the Oklahoma Sooners in Lincoln, Nebraska at Memorial Stadium. Kickoff is scheduled for 11 a.m. Central Time and will be broadcast on Fox. Nebraska is led by interim head coach Mickey Joseph in his first game as interim head coach. Oklahoma is led by head coach Brent Venables in his first season. Venables is 2-0 as head coach of the Sooners. This matchup will mark the 88th meeting between these two teams, with Oklahoma holding the advantage 46-39, to with two ties thrown in for good fun. So, Drew, do you want to start us off with an overly confident prediction for how this Oklahoma game is going to go? Yeah, I will. I will. All I, right. I did. So, I. this is the thing, is the fact that we're throwing away all of our effort in scouting Oklahoma is a little disappointing. I do want to say yeah, this go ahead, throw one thing, because this is fascinating. This, is, I thought, was really interesting. So sure. So Oklahoma, and it's important because part of my prediction involves you need to know this information. Okay. Um, Okay, good. Okay. So Oklahoma's offense has had 24 possessions this year. Uh, 
their three longest possessions in terms of the time that they held onto the ball are five minutes, 28 seconds, four minutes and one second, and three minutes and 18 seconds. That's their longest. Their longest. Okay. okay? So eight out of their 24 drives have lasted, um, only eight out of their 24 have lasted longer than two minutes. They've had 10 touchdown drives this year. Okay. On average, they last six plays. They go 74 yards, and they score in a minute and 44 seconds. Minute 44. A minute 44 on average on their 10 touchdowns. Sounds drives. like I got something in common with Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> I did put statistically more virgins last longer than that on their first <laughs> go around. So, um, so Oklahoma, they've, they've been, they were a little disjointed against Kent State. They had a lot of three and outs to start that game. And so you can see where this like up-tempo you know, attacking offense can backfire. Yeah. But when they execute, they fucking execute. Yeah. And they I win. wish I wish our disjointed games ended thirty three to three <laughs> yeah. and a win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's bad Oklahoma offense. So um anyway, so that's that's gonna be interesting to to see um what what they look like against our defense and, and how they attack. Sure. But anyway, okay. So prediction time. Here we go. I want to start off with a quote from C. S. Lewis, and I swear this is a real quote, C. S. Lewis, big Cornhusker fan. Here we go. C.S. Lewis, the Cornhuskers, in which we thought the beauty was located, will betray us if we trust to them. It was not in them, it only came through them, and what came through them was longing. This team, the beauty, the memory of our past, is a good image of what we really desire. But if Nebraska football is mistaken for the thing itself, it turns into a dumb idol, breaking the hearts of its worshippers. For Nebraska football is not the thing itself. It is only the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never visited, and a coaching career unfulfilled as promised to us by memories of glory gone by. Oklahoma coming to town offers us yet another opportunity to gaze into our storied past and long for what? Winning, strength, pride, culture, not being an embarrassment, Whatever it is Nebraska fans long for, it's kept 86,000 butts in the seats of Memorial Stadium these past few seasons, despite all reason. This Saturday will be no different. Against our better judgment, we will show up and put our hearts and mental sanity on the line once more for our beloved Cornhuskers. The belief, hope, and desire will all be there to fuel a raucous home crowd, and that crowd will help fuel another high-scoring output from this Nebraska offense. Anthony Grant extends his 100-yard rushing streak to four games. IGC comes off the milk carton for a score. And Casey Thompson continues to make magic happen on the ground and through the air. And then there's the defense. The bad news, we have to play defense. The good news, Oklahoma's offense doesn't stay on the field very long, no matter the result. Ipso facto, we don't have to play too much defense. (laughs) It's another shootout in Lincoln, and unfortunately, another loss. Nebraska keeps up on the scoreboard for the first three quarters and enters the fourth, trailing 38-35. But the pressure is too great yet again. Oklahoma finds a couple rapid-fire scores, including a 60-yard bomb to Marvin Mins Jr., and they finally lock things down on the defensive side with two critical sacks. They take home the victory with a final score of 52-35. You know what? It's going to be nice, then, to lose by more than one score. It'll be refreshing, right? It really yeah. will. I, it won't be one of those things where you're sitting there at the edge of your seat, your kid questioning what you're doing, why you're so angry, why you're so tense, having you explain the game to them when all you can say is, I, I, I can't talk right now. Yeah. It'll be kind of nice if that were to come true. I obviously want to beat Oklahoma, and my prediction says otherwise Ooh. to yours. Again, okay. written before... Mine was written before, too, so now I don't fucking... I mean, I still don't know. It's all up in the air at this point. That was my prior to knowing, you know, what we know now. Sure. Prediction, so. All right, my prediction. Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plain and the waving wheat can sure smell sweet when the wind comes right behind the rain. The musical Oklahoma opened on Broadway in 1943, a full 31 years after Nebraska and Oklahoma played their first football game, meaning there was plenty of time to work a college football storyline into the curly lorry courtship. But alas, we'll have to settle for a new story of our own. Perhaps this game will be so consequential that someday, again, I wrote this, (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, like before the Georgia Southern game. 
Perhaps this game will be so consequential that someday, 31 years from now, a musical will open telling the story of Frost versus Venables. <laughs> what could that story be? Well, I imagine it will be the story of two football programs on the cusp of change. One questioning if it's time to usher in a new era, and another hoping their alumni gamble will pay off. Two programs in similar yet different situations. So what does this mean for the outcome? What is the character arc for these two coaches? In the third act, that's theater speak for the fourth quarter, which coach will be defined as the hero and which the villain? I believe when the clock hits zero, one team will walk away with a season-defining loss and the other will march out with a program-defining win. The twist ending will be which is which. If I could pitch a title for the future musical, it would be called Turning the Corner. (laughs) I had so much hope. Nebraska and Oklahoma's defenses both come out strong. Little movement is happening on either side of the ball, leading to a stressful quarter and a half. Oklahoma puts up points first with a field goal, but Nebraska returns the ensuing kickoff to the 35 and marches for seven. Dylan Gabriel isn't much in the first half, but the Oklahoma run game begins to gash, putting them up 10-7 going into the half. The middle whistle blows just in time to stop the bleeding. The Huskers receive the kick and move the ball, but are stalled at Oklahoma's 40 with a fumble handoff. Memorial Stadium comes to life in a crucial defensive series, but Oklahoma strikes on a 3rd and 11, going 61 yards, Gabriel to Mims for a touchdown. It's here that the calm, cool, and collected Casey Thompson takes the field and never looks back. A 75-yard touchdown drive through the air with Vokalek, Palmer, Washington, and Johnson brings the Huskers. That's right, I said Ramir Johnson is going to make a major impact this game. (laughs) Brings the Huskers within three. The defense holds and gets the ball back. Bleak Road redeems himself, ties the game. Which brings us to that fourth quarter, that third act. The point of the game in which Nebraska has struggled for seemingly the past four seasons, but not today. Oklahoma comes after Nebraska like Judd Fry in Oklahoma, but today the Big Red gets to be the hero. Oklahoma falls on their own knife when Gabriel... That's an Oklahoma reference, by the way. Oklahoma falls on their own (laughs) knife when Gabriel throws a late interception, one that is returned to the red zone where Anthony Grant punches it in for seven. Oklahoma tries to strike back, but another prayer is thrown up and pulled down by Buford. The clock runs out, and Nebraska wins. 21-17. What a finale. Wow. It could happen. It it could. Aside from all that stuff about, um, (laughs) you know, redemptive character arcs, it could happen. But last year was supposed to be an offensive battle, and it became defensive. Yeah, it became a defensive slug. You know what? We're, We're one Heinrich away. From this defense maybe being a little bit more sound and a little bit more sharp on the mental aspect. And I really do believe that. That's not me being facetious or sarcastic or anything like that. We didn't lose our defensive staff. We've got a great amount of skill on that defensive side of the ball. I really do think that we're one field general away from guys being in the right spot and starting to make those steps forward. It's just, yeah, it's inexperience on that side of the ball. It really is. And it's, it's a young team. We've got a young team that hasn't played a ton of football together. This could be the game that they gel. It probably won't be, but that doesn't stop me from still tuning in at 11 a.m. and, you know, throwing out a prayer. Yeah, I like it. What a day it's been. <laughs> not what I expected. What this a day. This is not how I expected today to go. You know, normally we would wrap up with a really nice and tidy outro where we say, listen to wannabe walk-ons and tune in and follow us on social media and all that fun stuff. But I don't know if I want to end that way today. I think I, think I just want to end by... Thanking everyone who listens by thanking those Nebraska fans who continue to support the team. <laughs> oh no, you sound like you sound like Frost on I'm his a, way out. <laughs> no. No, I just this is one of those days of reflection where I think it's important to just say this is a really cool community that we have. Not just yeah. Nebraska fans, Nebraska podcasters, folks who listen to these podcasts who are fan based. We have no real skin in the game other than our own emotional well being and uh, I mean I pay a little bit for whiskey, but other than that, like I pay for the gas money to drive to your house to get the whiskey. Which is a little bit of a drive. <laughs> you know, Omaha being Omaha, it's everywhere's 20 minutes at least. So, yeah. guys, we're going to get through this. It's sad today. It's tough today. It's a lot of things today. It's ambiguous. It's it so, really is. Yeah, it's just weird. And, and Drew and I are nothing if not an ambiguous duo. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's a reference I get. The Oklahoma stuff, you can't see it because it's on a podcast. All of it was going over my head. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was in Oklahoma in high school, so (laughs) I'm very familiar with that as a musical. But guys, thank you so much for listening, for tuning in. 
This is a weird one, but sometimes you need a weird one. Sometimes you need just shit to go completely wrong. Or completely right. I don't know. I would like things to go completely right. Yeah. That would be nice for once. So cool. uh, here's to hoping for uh, a win next week. You know, yeah. ring, ring in the Mickey Joseph era with a big old W. And hey, tune in next week as we talk about that Oklahoma game and we preview Indiana because we're going to actually take the bye week off. So we're not going to record a bye week episode. Nice. We're going to preview Indiana a week early and then All right. folks have yeah. a couple weeks to get around to it. Give you an extra week to hate on Indiana. Yeah, which yeah. I can't wait for what you have to say about oh, Indiana. I still have a grudge. I'm still fucking fired up about it. All right. Well, I'm Ben. I'm Drew. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. Drink Big Red. Drink Big Red.